Podcast about the history and trends in popular music, where you'll hear the stories behind the music and why the hits became the hits. I'm Scott Prescott. And I'm Eric Songer. You're listening to Antihero by Taylor Swift, who recently became the first artist to lock down the top 10 hits in a single week. All the songs, including this one, which is still number one, thanks partly to a new remix with Bleachers, which is really record producer Jack Antonoff, former member of the band Fun. We're from her album Midnights. As a chart follower of 40 years, I'm really impressed. Wow, Eric, 40 years. But 40 years ago, near 1983, there were equally, if not more, impressive records being broken, and the 80s sound was being solidified. Yep, I said 40 years ago. Hard to believe that such a thrilling year, but I'm pish, is that far in the rearview mirror. Oh my goodness, 1983. Should we date ourselves? Like let's, what grade we were in? Let's do it, okay. So, in you go first. I would have been in fourth grade and then fifth grade in the fall of 83. And I'm thinking for me, I was in ninth grade and then 10th grade. Because a lot of the songs, when I think back to 1983, I have very specific memories of ninth grade and very specific memories of 10th grade. I think it's weird like that. That, that is weird, yeah. But, I mean, I can just, I think back to those years, and one of the first tunes that comes to my mind is um, Come On Eileen, Dexie's Midnight Runners, right? Right. Come on Eileen, oh I swear, at this moment, It must have been the spring of that year, or the winter to the spring of that year, and we were at a, a choir festival, and I remember that song was playing, and it was just, I just, takes me right back to that spring, just right back to that choir festival when I hear that tune. Isn't that crazy how music does that, does that to us? Do you have a song like that? Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking a story very similar that uh, I was in Phi Ed class doing basketball layup drills, and... This song came on the radio that the Fayette teacher was just playing the radio as we were doing our basketball stuff. And I was like, what is this song? And nobody knew it. So I went home and turned on the radio and listened for it, listened for it, and heard all these other great songs from 83 during that time. And then finally it came on and it was Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant, <laughs> which when I look back now, I mean, it's it's a fun song. It's uh, it's catchy, but there's it's like one chord, isn't it? Two chords, maybe? Yeah, I think, it, I think it's one. Yeah. It's always been on my short list of songs we need to do in our pop ensemble. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, and, and partly because it would be a very easy song to get right away, but yet the audience would love it. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Because I'm sure there are a lot of folks that have a memory such as that. We're going to rock down to Electric Avenue And then we'll take it higher Oh, we're going to rock down to Electric Avenue think about that tune and there are a lot of places where you can hear music um, from 1983 these days and I think about on Sirius you know the 80s on 8 and I also think about um, 
first wave radio on Sirius XM where a lot, there are a lot of tunes that cross over between those two charts. And I'm sure there's probably a Yacht Rock tune from 1983 that we know of. Can you think of one off the top of your head? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm, I was trying to think of one on the way here today, and I thought I couldn't come up with one. But maybe there's got to be yeah. some Hall & Oates tune or something from that time. Right? Well, the first one that strikes my mind is it actually came out in late 82, but hit big in 83. It was Africa by Toast. Stereotypical song right there, a top five yacht rock song ever, right? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. That's crazy. So they just like they are, they cross borders, and I think that's what was unique about pop music in the '80s. It really crossed a lot of boundaries, didn't it? Well, it sure did. I mean, we think about the early '80s, how there was a kind of this rebellion against disco, but there was still a lot of R&B music that had to go somewhere, and so I think R&B became more pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, pop became more R&B, however you want to look at it. And, you know, when we talk about big records of, of 1983, of course, the biggest of all of them was Thriller by Michael Jackson. Yeah. And, I mean, that Michael Jackson was the king of pop, but yet it was still R&B. It was, it was the two together. And it, it was like, is, is this pop crossing over to R&B or the other direction? And uh, that was the first album to ever have seven hit songs. And, uh, of course, it's the biggest selling album in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. And have there, between that one and, you know, Taylor Swift, what, what are some others that you can think of that have reached a similar type of, you know, so many, you know, top songs? Well, I think the 80s was unique because it was an era where the music business, the record record companies were trying to milk the albums for all they were worth. So they yeah. just kept releasing singles instead of the artists. Like if you go back to the 70s, you know, you might release a new album every year because mm-hmm. you're only going to release two or three songs from each album. But, you know, Thriller came out in, in 82 and was still, we still had hit songs from it into the middle of 84. So, and there were many more albums like that, kind of starting in 1983. I think a couple album others I'm thinking of that came out in late 83 were Sports by Huey Lewis and the News. Had, had five hit songs, Heart and Soul was the first oh, one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Lionel Richie, Can't Slow Down had, I believe, five hit songs from it, starting with All Night Long. So it kind of became just a thing where these albums just produced hit after hit after hit. And it was great as a young kid because you go out and get an album and you had five or six songs on there that you knew right away. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) that's great. Thriller, I think, only had nine songs on it. So there weren't really any deep cuts on Thriller because there weren't Mm -hmm. many left. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you talk about Thriller and I just, even to this day in my teaching, I, I... I come back to that story about when I first, you know, there are things in history that you really remember, right? You remember where you were when you were doing this. And I'm, I think about when I first saw the long play, you know, thriller video, you know, that went on for, I don't know, was it a half an hour or something, right. like, something <laughs> like that? And I remember it was a big deal. We were sitting at home in front of, you know, the uh, Toshiba, you know, or Zenith television set. Um, and we just, as a family, watched that video because it was really... It was really groundbreaking at the time, um, not only in its, you know, musical contributions, but in its visual contribution as well, because MTV was still rather, you know, rather young. Right. So pushing the, the video 
format was really a, something that Michael Jackson did. And to this day, the dance moves that were in Thriller yeah. are, are everywhere. The moonwalking, <laughs> the, the Billie Jean video where everything he touched lit up. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, you're totally right because MTV came out like in mid-82. So it was still yeah, relatively August, new. And, and I think another thing about Thriller related to what you just said is that uh, a lot of the videos that were played on MTV in 82 were usually by white rock bands or rock stars. Sure. And Thriller kind of changed that. Yeah. Uh, it, it got more black artists onto MTV, into the rotation. Um, and I think one of the songs that did it, I mean, obviously Billie Jean, because it was a great song and a great video. Uh, which, and that was a true R&B song. But then... But then there was Beat It, which was a rock song. Beat It was not an R&B song. That was a rock song. Yeah, no Eddie doubt. Eddie Van Halen played the guitar solo. Uh, the guitarist from Toto played the other guitar part. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I so, that. I mean, that's that's straight ahead rock. So, so Michael Jackson just, I mean, he brought the musical universe together. that album did Quincy Jones produce yeah. that album so I think you know that whole Quincy brings a lot of folks to the table I think too and he really had a vision as well as Michael Jackson did but you know you think about how that the production of that album and how you know what a big deal it must have been for Quincy too but I'm going to go back to safety no wait we didn't talk about safety dance yet but no. safety dance another huge hit from this year we can dance we can dance everything's out of control we can dance, we can dance, doing it from pole to pole. We can dance, we can dance, everybody look at your hands. We can dance, we can dance, everybody taking the chance. Save the dance, oh, let's save the dance. Yes, save the dance. You know, Eric and I had a chance a couple years ago to, to be in New York City at a time when, you know, the men without hats. The man without hats, hat, <laughs> <laughs> and the hat women half his age backup singer band. Uh, we got to hear uh, a safety dance live, and I would—I wasn't paying attention like that when I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. I really didn't get out to hear music, so it was fun, you know, in my 50s to be able to go with Eric to hear both Men Without Hats and Howard Jones, you know, live because that was something that I wouldn't have anticipated I would do this far into the future. And every one of their songs had the same dance rock beat, except for Safety Dance. That was the only <laughs> one that did not have the same beat, <laughs> if I remember right. Yeah. Another great tune that we could do in Pop Ensemble, too. S, 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 A. Oh, you all know that tune. Even if you weren't alive in 1983, that's probably a ubiquitous enough song, right? That pe people just know that song, right? Listeners, right? You know, that's, you know that tune? You know, I have a, a list of songs here that I made that are like, most of them are, are one hit or two hit wonders like Men Without Hats. They only had a couple hits. And then like Dexie's Midnight Runners mm -hmm. or Come On Eileen. But songs that were just really unique. And, and some other ones I'm just going to list off and then we can talk about one or two of these is uh, Mr. Roboto by Styx. Now, that, they're definitely not a one hit wonder, but oh, uh, Maniac by Michael Cimbello. Mm -hmm. uh, she Blinded Me with Science by Thomas Tolby. <laughs> I have that record, actually. 
This is the only good song on it. No. Uh, no. There's, <laughs> oh, what's the one that's got? It's got a big trombone part. Do 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 do. Putting on the Ritz by Taco, Mickey by Tony Basil, yeah. Our House by Madness. I mean, these are all like really unique songs that have stood the test of time. I think most people who are much younger than us know those songs, right? You know, yeah, they're on they're on all these they're on all these channels, right? Right. And I just wanted to say too, because um, I have a, we have I have a friend Leanne, and she, every Saturday she religiously listens to a countdown, and she happened to be listening to the nineteen eighty three. Um, Casey Kasem countdown and yeah. uh, it was a great uh, you know fun history lesson on some of those tunes you know we're still listening to listen to them to them today you know another thing I think about is the uh, what they usually call now the second British invasion there were so many oh, yeah. bands from England uh, starting with Duran Duran and that was one of my first favorite rock bands uh, going back to uh, Hungry Like a Wolf which was 1983 um, and then moving forward to the album uh, Seven and the Ragged Tiger, which had the reflex and yep. New Moon on Monday. Those are all great tunes. breakthrough with boy george and his flamboyant musical style and fashion choices and uh, just, again the visual right there yeah yeah and those two bands it's were an image mtv staples i mm-hmm. mean they were all over the place on mtv yes they were and it you know since you talk about hungry like a wolf that's when i that's when i came into it too and then yet there was still a, a back catalog that we didn't that i didn't know about that was fun to then kind of uncover um uh, as you know Hey, you learn about Duran Duran, like what they had songs before these tunes. And what was the one I heard? I heard a guy at um, Menards playing piano. Didn't I tell you what song they were, they were, play, were playing a Duran Duran tune? Oh, refresh um, my memory. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what it was. But yeah, it was fun to go to the, go to the uh, Menards and hear a, you know, a Duran Duran tune from the, <laughs> the early 80s being played. I can't remember that. And my wife would say that you're just singing the rhythm. Give us Girls a, on give, film? No, no, no. What's it? Girls <laughs> on film. It was Mad World. It was, oh, Mad World. It was Mad World. There you go. That's what it was. Mad World. Yeah. And obscure, but anyway. <laughs> you know, and speaking of, of disco, you know, and it's, it's sudden demise. I think of the guy who produced a lot of the Duran Duran music, uh, Niles Rogers. He did a lot of that stuff, and so, and he ended up doing a lot of the, the those pop songs in that era. So uh, it was kind of disco finding its new foothold in this this whatever you want to call it post punk or mm-hmm. new wave. 
uh, yeah. all the descriptions we have of that early 80s music. So, yeah. so I'm, and I just want to go back just a little bit because when Eric and I were getting ready for this, we, we told a lot of stories about, you know, some of our memories from 83, and I just want to share one, and maybe you can go ahead too. Yeah. But I, it was the year that my one of my older brothers, uh, we had to move him to, to college at, uh, in San Antonio, Texas. And I just remember on the way back, I, it was just me now. I was the youngest, so I was just Scott and my mom and dad, and we were staying at some motel in the middle of Oklahoma, in the oil fields of Oklahoma, sitting out by the pool, smelling the oil, and hearing, you know, either Eddie Grant or, you know, the safety dance or something over the speakers. And, and again, it's it, I've just through my life, I'm just struck how how easily my mind goes back to those times when I when I hear a song. And I, yeah, I th- I'm sure you had some story like that too. I I have a uh, a favorite. Well, I have a bunch of favorites from 83, but if I, in addition to Electric Avenue, which no longer would rank amongst my favorite songs of the year, even though it's, it's a good <laughs> It's a good tune, tune, yeah. I remember just falling in love with Total Eclipse of the Heart by oh, Bonnie Tyler. Yeah. Uh, that song just was so different. And, you know, now, as I learn more about music, know that it was written by Jim Steinman, who was the king of writing rock opera type style music these long elaborate pop songs that just were over the top dramatic but uh that song and and then and i didn't know it at the time but making love out of nothing at all by air supply which came out at the exact same time also written by jim steinman and they actually were the top two songs in the country there for two or three weeks in a row i, I kind of felt bad for casey Kasem was like now i gotta dedicate like 15 minutes to play two songs back to back at the end of my show uh, <laughs> But, uh, but no, I just remember singing that song at the top of my lungs and not knowing the, the words about the, the powder keg giving off sparks. I don't know what I thought the words were, but I was just making up words there and singing them really loud. That's good. And raspy, you know. And of course, the turn around. I, I, I just love that song. And I just remember running around the house, my house, as a, a 10-year-old boy singing that song as loud as I can and my dad saying turn off that noise <laughs> turn it off <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was going through the list of songs from 1983, and it was so fun because I could like, I could sing a little bit of every one as I was as I was singing on the list. I could, you know, and I'm not going to recreate that for you here right now. But that, that's <laughs> that was a fun little you know mental exercise was to do that. Now, you know, since Eric and I are also uh, we are also in a Genesis Phil Collins tribute band, it would I'd be remiss if we did not mention the fact that you can't hurry love was a hit in 1983 and then a, not really a hit necessarily but kind of a pretty moneymaker type song was Mama from mm-hmm. Genesis right mm-hmm. was that the first single from that Genesis record yes it was yeah um, and the same so, record that had that's all which most mainstream fans would recognize as the biggest hit in that yeah My mama said you can't Just 
I think that was, uh, we got to remember those times too, because uh, I remember being in a, you know, that was 83. That was the year of the air band contest. <laughs> I remember my friends and I, we wore tire chains. And I think, although we did Mama, an air band to Mama, but I think we also did an air band to a Scorpions too. <laughs> Maybe Blackout or something like that. Yes. <laughs> anyway. By the way, that was Phil's first top 10 hit. You Can't Hurry Love? Yep. That was his no first kidding. top 10 hit as a member of Genesis or Solo. So, Wow. Uh, Very so. cool. I remember, too, doing air bands. I, we had some friends that would... Uh, uh, my mom was a teacher, and when, when the teacher convention weekend came, one of her best friends from out of town came down for the conference and would bring her two kids who were the same age as my sister and me. So when they were at, gone at the conference, we would put together this huge... And, you know, air band show, drumming on boxes. We cut out like <laughs> guitars made out of cardboard Love and it. put strings on them. Yeah. And I remember uh, the highlight of the show was probably, well, I think it was the number one song of the entire year. And I'm surprised we made it this long in this podcast without mentioning it. But it was, it was, uh, all the lights went down and we just turned on like the really dim, like yellow lights or whatever in, in our lights in our living room. And we, we did the pretend lighter thing. And we did every breath I take. Oh every yeah, breath you take by the police. And uh, <laughs> oh, that was that song definitely top five for me in 1983. As yeah. songs I remember from that year. school one day at the holiday grocery store i totally remember that yeah. my, my mom was with me yeah they yeah. had to unlock the cassette they had to unlock the cassette tape case and uh bought that for 9.99 synchronicity synchronicity yeah great album yeah. yeah so eric do you have an obscure tune you want to talk about i do okay. i do and it has to be from 1983 because you know that's our topic yeah. this week but right. uh and uh i don't know how obscure it is to me it's it's one of my favorites from the year it's major tom by peter Schilling. oh yeah and uh peter Schilling uh only had that one hit it was originally recorded in german because uh, that's where he was from he was okay. from west germany at the uh -huh. time and uh, the song is, is great. It's, you know, about an astronaut going into space and thinking we're going to lose him and survives. And uh, so it's a, uh, it's a very iconic song. It's got a really cool atmospheric feel to it, a mm -hmm. uh, cool drum beat to it, very electronic. Yeah. Uh, it totally represents, I think, the weirdness of some of the songs from 1983. Sure. Uh, Four, three, two. You know, I, I don't know if I told you this, but I, I recently uh, I had to visit the doctor, and I have a I have a new uh, diagnosis. It's actually a, a type of amnesia where I uh, I just can't remember certain '80s bands. Oh wow! Yeah, um, and apparently there is no cure. Oh, <laughs> but I'm Jing. <laughs> all right, that, that's all. I, that's all I got today. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna have to come up with a new order for your jokes. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs>
Oh, my mind, I need my mind is not quite like a steel trap today. <laughs> By um, the way, if you if you haven't checked out Scott Prescott's joke books, he now has two that you can get through Amazon. What are they called again, Scott? Uh, 102 jokes Dad tries to tell, and creatively enough, another 102 jokes Dad tries to tell, and actually under construction, and you can visit it right now. Uh, the website www.102dadjokes.com. Visit, and you can it'll take you right to ordering. And we're working on some swag to get on those pages too. That is so sweet. So yeah. we, right. <laughs> we we love reading through those books at night uh, before we go to bed. So it's always a joke or two. So. All right. Well, let's take it out. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for Pop Life, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Pop Life is hosted and produced by us, Eric Songer and Scott Prescott. If you are listening to us on Apple Music, please rate it because it helps others find the show. You can find us on Twitter at Scott L. Prescott and at Eric Songer. And join us again next time when Pop Life dives into another interesting discussion. Until then, dance like there's no one watching. 